Welcome back, everybody. This is the Level Up Grappling Podcast, the official podcast of PCI Jiu-Jitsu in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your host, Ed, along with my co-host, as always, Coach Brian. Coach Brian, how are you doing today? I am doing awesome. It's uh, right. been hot here in Southern California, as everybody knows who lives here. But, you know, it's cool. Whatever. Just put the fans on. We're still it's training. It's pretty hot everywhere. Yeah. We've got all that. <laughs> these old. tournaments, you know, coming up. We have, what, geez. We've got uh, every week, so for us, at least our gym, er, basically every week of August, we have tournaments. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of slammed. So everybody's training. You know, we got all kinds of stuff going on. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of fun. We should do an episode about the different competitions. I mean, obviously, everybody at this point knows your position on the IBGJF. <laughs> However... <laughs> It is interesting as as I'm training for this tournament, and no excuses. This week has been horrible for me, but um, just not being able to train. But that being said, it's just interesting to think as we are training how we how often we actually talk about the rules, yeah, right for each each competition. And for somebody like um, Tati in our uh, PCI mm -hmm. who competes in multiple different competitions. Mm -hmm. She has to learn to adapt. I mean, pretty much anybody, even Rich, Mike, I'm sure, mm -hmm. are, um, they have to learn how to adapt to the, every single rule set. Because, you know, for example, if you are, the one thing that I'm not used to is for Josh Barnett's competition is that a pin counts. Yeah. Right? There are pins mm -hmm. versus, yeah, if you go to an IBJJF or usually some other Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, like, pins don't count. Yeah, it's lay on your back all you want. Yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting as we're training where I'm forgetting that I have to lift a shoulder off the ground mm -hmm. so that I'm not pinned. Yeah. So it's I, I like it because it does force me to move, but it's interesting to think through the rule set of like, oh, I, I can lose this way. Right? So isn't it interesting, though? It's just like I teach with a catch wrestling mindset, right? Everything is foundationally mm -hmm. catch wrestling. Everything we do off the bottom is get off your back, wrestle up out of the position, right? But mm -hmm. even with doing that, there's still that momentary lapse of judgment because of all of us being conditioned from a BJJ perspective of mm -hmm. lay on your back as long as you want. Yeah. Which, number one, breaks all of Chris Howder's rules, right? Mm -hmm. Be the person on top, get on top, stay on top, right? Have a guard you should not pass, get back on top. Breaks all the catch wrestling rules. So this is the foundations of even our school, yet... When you learn to function defensively from the bottom, you tend to be lazy. You tend to um, kind of chill for a minute. And you can't, especially, this is what I love about Josh Barnett's tournament. You cannot chill. There's a three count. If you're sitting there laying inside control, and you're like, oh, I'll get out. They're not doing anything to me. Match is over. Mm -hmm. Love that. Yeah, no, like in training, because I, I find, you know, I, I've been struggling, obviously, with my takedowns, and I'm always finding myself on my back. Mm -hmm. um, and But it's interesting because I'm trying to get out of it. And it just goes to show you like how powerful or how effective what you teach. And again, I'm not trying to turn this into a commercial, but what you teach is so effective on top that I, I do struggle on my back. And every time I try to use a specific counter, it's like, because the top position is so aggressive... It's funny because I, 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 for as much as people want to be comfortable on their backs, I'm not comfortable at all because <laughs> yeah. it's like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this position. Um, and because of the pin to force me to be active, constantly moving, constantly moving again, just trying to keep at least, even just to think, keep one shoulder off the ground yeah. so that you don't have the pin. Yeah. And there, you know, throughout my training I was always concerned like, Oh God, five, it's a five minute round. Mm -hmm. And I go, geez, that feels like an eternity in a sense. But at the same time, I'm sure. But then a three a three count pin is going to feel like literally two seconds, like a flash. Yeah. And so it's just interesting because I, it's as I am, and I think I'll transition kind of into the the subject for our episode is as I'm as I'm working through our practice matches constantly i mean obviously there's a lot of conditioning happening for me yeah because i have to get up to speed with that um because a two-minute round was like 
50 hours <laughs> to me. <laughs> and then you put me through with Mike nonstop for basically 30 minutes. I was yeah. like, boy, was I gassed. But um, it's interesting because I, I'm catching myself at times being able to think and other times, but most of the time I'm not able to think. Mm. And the perception, my own self-perception during during the start of every, again, practice round is interesting because I keep asking you and I keep asking, you know, Mike, who was, I was primarily training with a lot and even art, I was like, am I coming in too strong? And it's a weird way to say that, right? Mm -hmm. Because we've been talking about how strategically their strategy and tactics, but strategically it's like, I'm trying to go in strong because I think I have to compete. I think I have to have some sort of advantage in the beginning, but it's, it, it's interesting where how much thinking I actually have to learn how to do mm -hmm. because I'm, I start to get so much tunnel vision. No, I shouldn't say tunnel vision. It's more like tunnel thinking. Mm -hmm. My mindset goes to one thing. It's like, okay, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. So there's my strategy, but I have no tactics around it. Mm -hmm. So then to try to understand, okay, well, if I start to think, think tactics, then I lose my strategy mm -hmm. because I'm not trying to, I'm, I can't figure out where I'm going or what I'm going to do or how I'm actually trying to pin somebody or, you know, even for the takedown and I'm not understanding, or at least I'm, I'm in the learning process of understanding my abilities and where I need to be more sensitive to, right? If somebody yeah. comes in at me super strong, like I've talked about our guys, guy is super strong. So is Mike strong guys. Yeah. If I feel them using s strength, yeah. my automatic reaction is to fight back or to counter with strength. Yeah. Right. And I think there are, what I'm learning though is, and Mike taught a lot this to me is, and just for those who don't know, Art and Mike are students at PCI. Yeah. Um, and, and they're, they're the upper, they're the upper belts. But when, when I was rolling or when I was sparring with Mike, what was interesting was he has, I can feel his sensitivity to what I'm doing. It's a weird way to say it. Yeah. Right. Because I'm just trying to counter what he's doing. If he's pushing, I'm, I'm just trying to push back. Right. I'm not feeling it, but he can feel that I'm pushing back. And in, in a sense, I can feel that he's feeling me pushing back on him mm -hmm. and he uses that and he's always able to take me down. And I've struggled with that because, again, I think I keep telling myself I'm coming in too hot, right? I'm, I'm exerting all my energy in the first 30 seconds, and then I'm gassed out for the next four. Yeah. And over and over, I heard, hey, relax, yeah. relax, be, be tense, be ready, mm -hmm. but be sensitive and relaxed at the same yeah. time. So it's, it's, it's literally been like this chess match in my head and through my body. And yes, I've heard that jujitsu is human chess and all this and that, but it, it, it is a different dynamic, especially in from a catch wrestling point of view, because one of the things that I've been struggling with again is I have, you know, obviously I've studied under you. And for as often as you ask me if I've watched the videos, I tend to have, I failed to do that, <laughs> but the mental as the mental side of it to discuss exactly what I'm doing, why I'm doing it mm -hmm. and to understand and re recall what the opponent was doing in order that I can think through this process, this and develop my game. That has been very interesting since last Thursday. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, the, uh, <laughs> there's the episode. Yeah. So yeah, basically the episode this week is uh, how well do you know the chessboard? But I do want to say, like, as an example, what you're saying about how Mike developed that sensitivity. So initially, when I got Mike as a very raw white belt with like a couple months under his belt, he was like a bull in a china shop. And I was so annoyed with him. I'm like, I'm not. There's no way I'm teaching this guy because I'm very particular. Like there's people I've literally over the years been like no i'm not teaching you sorry go somewhere else i tell them where to go i tell them who to <laughs> who to go train with because like i i just i don't know i i feel like 
it's my time. I'm not just here to collect money. You know, I, I, I have a, a successful life. So for me, it's just like, I need to pass on information to people that I feel like are receptive students and will be effective. All right. So it took, it was like a wild horse breaking him in. It took time. Mm-hmm. And the thing that people don't understand, the thing that made him so sensitive and made him refine his t- technique and get to visualize the chessboard is how much I made him train with Tati. So somebody who's 50 pounds lighter than him and female. And so where people miss the boat is they think you're going to, you think you're going to get better if you go with somebody just as big and as strong as you No, you have to play and work with people of different body types, sizes, and know what you're doing. If you want to have your technique better, find small people to work with. And it's not to dominate them. It's to be sensitive and learn sensitivity and learn how not to murder somebody and learn how to be as refined as possible. Like I was saying to Rich the other day, I go, dude, you want to get better? You start working with Tati more. I go, and also work with the kids. Like my kids are in there every day training. I go work with them. You should be able to hook sweep them with ease where you're not killing them. Learn the takedowns on them because it'll make you so sensitive and so refined that if you can do it on somebody that's 50 pounds less than you, you're going to be able to do it on anybody. You've got to learn to move. You have to learn how to feel. And the smaller somebody is, you have to be more sensitive to their technique because they're lighter. So it's harder to pick up on their cues. So there's something to be said about that. So getting into this whole this whole theme here for the week of under, how well do you know the chessboard? You know, we've heard this saying that grappling is like human chess. Well, in a lot of ways it is. Um, people play different positions. They play certain you know, strategies and tactics, and they just do the same thing over and over and over again, you know, like with chess people. I mean, you know, chess, Ed, I don't, but I know that there's people that have opening moves, right? I don't know that Magnus Carlsen or whatever that kid that, mm-hmm. that looks like to stick yeah, and from, like from Norway or wherever he's from mm-hmm. or Sweden or whatever. That dude has like certain opening moves. And I've seen like YouTube videos of this cat where he's like playing nine chess boards at once. Mm-hmm. And it's just like remarkable. I'm like, how the hell is he doing that? But I'm like, wait a minute. I could literally do the same thing, not physically, but if you had me, if you were talking to me about a match and I'm rolling against, I'm going against this person, you line up five people and you start telling me what their moves are, I will tell you down the line what I would do next. And I could tell you the strategy all the way through exactly what I do, how I'd go. So this is how we have to understand this. It's like understand the chessboard from a visualization perspective, you know, and I know we've talked about to a certain degree before our visualization, but this is going to take it to another level. How well do you know the mechanics and how the pieces move? <laughs> and I can mm-hmm. guarantee you most people, including black belts, aren't that familiar with how everything moves. They're not familiar with mechanics. They're, most people are attribute-based. You know, they tend to fall into pockets of, of, of comfort where they're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. You have somebody that likes to invert or you have somebody that just pulls half guard or they do this guard or spider guard or whatever type of Yahoo guard they're talking, the, you know, on a particular day or week. That's all they're doing, Right. So they just do that over and over and over again. But the minute you pull them out of that comfort zone, they're lost. Right? So you can't just play the, I don't know, I'm just going to make something up because I don't know anything. Pawn to knight two. or I don't know, whatever. You can't yeah, just play yeah. like that one ent- opening entry over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You have to know what your options are. And you have to know visually you should be you should have this so dialed in where you can have a conversation with your coach or with a peer without getting on the mat and mm-hmm. just have that conversation and this is a skill it's a developed skill like I, I think I may have brought this up on the podcast before like 
I have certain students that do distance learning with me that have never stepped foot on the mat with me. They watch videos that I send. They send the, they watch the monthly curriculum videos. They tell me what's going on at their school and I can go literally move by move with them of whatever happened in a particular role. Like I'll have a guy call me up. Hey coach, this is what happened. And they, they'll say, well, this is how he opened. They can tell me how they opened, what their opening sequence was. The guy pulled guard. What kind of guard? Well, he had a closed guard. Where were his hands? And then I get them to think, well, where were his hands? Well, where were your hands? Did you have a grip fight? Did you, were you controlling their hips? And I can literally walk them through exactly what they did wrong. And then they say, well, this happened. He swept me here. I go, well, let me guess. He swept you there because of X, Y, Z. You did this. And when you should have done this. Well, shit, how'd you know that? I know the chessboard. <laughs> so I know what mm-hmm. the options are. I know what the potential fatalities are. And I know how the each piece is removed based on your counter entry or your counter position, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's interesting because... Um when I do think about it in in the sense of chess, it's like, yeah, every piece has a specific move, but conceptually the game is, you know, they say that it's 10% strategy, 90% tactics. Mm. And so it's understanding the concept of what you're trying to accomplish, but taking in the concepts of, again, the techniques Mm -hmm. uh, of the moves, why you're doing them, how they're executed. And then you're able to, basically work your work your way through to what your uh, what your objective is whether that's a pin whether that's a submission sure. whatever it is and so it's interesting because to your point you you hear all the chess grandmasters who are able to literally literally recall a an entire chess game that may have lasted eight hours yeah hundred some odd move movements in the game and they can remember every single one because conceptually mm-hmm. they know how this works. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. So to your point about openings, it's quite interesting because yeah, there's, there's a number of chess openings mm-hmm. and they all have names. The yeah. Rui Lopez, the Queens Gambit, Kings Gambit. That there's was a, a great, that was a great Netflix show. That Queens Gambit. <laughs> like I literally yeah. know nothing about chess, but holy shit, that kept me captivated. <laughs> so if anybody's listening, if you haven't watched the Queens Gambit, watch it. It's going to make your jujitsu better. <laughs> and they actually use really good they actually did use really good um chess games in that but mm. it's there is a lot of similarities when it comes to grappling because like you know for for my competition mm-hmm. i feel like i'm giving away my tactics if, if whoever my competitor is listening to this but we're you know we're talking about the pinch the um, the pinch headlock mm-hmm. right and to me it's like okay how am i that's that's my opening move so how am I going to get into that? Mm-hmm. How do I get there? What is the first move that I need to do? Because conceptually, what am I trying to do? Just cause pain right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Control the head. Yeah. Conceptually, control the head. Tactically, cause pain to the head. Yeah. And so, um, so basically, when you walk through that, right, we'll just use that as an example. That's an excellent example. Well, how would somebody get into that? Right? So that's your, that's your opening move. Where's your, so what is your movement for the move? What is your sequential movement for the move? It's okay. I'm leading in with my hips. I'm clearing the arms. I'm taking that nearsighted underhook. I'm wrapping my hands and make sure my I got that S grip properly. I got my head inside. I'm clearing, making sure I'm. We always talk about kiss. Make sure you kiss your opponent, right? We're literally not kissing anybody, but it's <laughs> proper head position. You kiss your opponent, folks. Um. So that's how we're entering, right? So that's how we're setting up that opening entry is what is our what is our movement sequence okay so it's going to take it may take a while to get there sometimes not sometimes it's really fast but okay let's say your opening move isn't that you have a counter so then what do you do okay you're turning for a snap down in their front headlock right so we go into our front headlock sequence then we're going to a half halch or we automatically take a gravit right off the bat you know we can counter with a throw. So we, we have a ton of stuff that we can do from that. We have our sequences, you know, but for us, it's really like, okay, if we don't like it, we circle, you know, we get our rehand fight, get inside, make sure we're getting inside so they can't grab our legs. All right. And then start back over. 
Like, I don't care if somebody knows what to do, because guess what? It makes it more fun. It makes it more interesting for me to see how I can resequence my, my opening, my opening movement. Right. Like, you know, there's people that know, okay, well, you know, my body shot in a variety of different ways. Everybody knows I'm not going to shoot on them. I'm taller than most people and you don't shoot on people shorter than you. And uh, I'll throw that back out to Eric, our buddy in Alabama, dude, if you're listening, like I told you on the phone, stop shooting on people shorter than you. This dude's six foot three. And he's like shooting on a guy that's like five foot four. I'm like, and he's like falling on it. Like, dude, don't do that. I'm going to go, I'm going to literally get on a plane, fly out there and slap him. If I see another video of him, Eric, I swear to God, if I see another video that you make of you shooting on some little dude, I'm getting on the next plane to Alabama and I'm going to slap the shit out of you. <laughs> All out of love. Just to get you out there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, seriously, in all seriousness, it, you know, for me, I don't shoot on anybody. My body will, it's, my body's too broken up. I, it's not happening. Okay. It's just flat out not happening. Maybe if I was going against a good guy taller than me and lighter, maybe I'd do it. But eh, I, I really, eh. I wouldn't do it. I mean, when I set up a shot, it's always we have our position where we never take shots head on. That's our rule, how we do stuff at PCI. So, but everybody knows, most part, you know, it's going to be some kind of judo setup that I do or some kind of Greco setup. So they already know, okay, they're coming in upright. They already know, okay, here's how I have to do it. I have to defend him from that inside position. I got to watch his hips, blah, blah, blah. I got to make sure I'm not tilting my head down otherwise you're gonna snap me into a front headlock so people know it's like i could literally i used to do this so getting back to like you know we were talking to jay pages (laughs) yeah which was awesome by the way one thing i wanted to say about that guys if you haven't listened to that episode listen to it he's so awesome we'll have him on again i so much appreciate jay for coming on and you know one thing i love about the guests we've had they're all such great conversationalists Cause I've known them all mm-hmm. for so many years. Like we could talk for hours and hours. We had to cut that. Otherwise that, that podcast, like everybody else could have gone for three hours, four hours. Easy. Easy. Um, but when, when I started at Jace, when I started training with Jay back in the day, he had 15 students. Literally. It was a small place with 15 students. And now he's built that up to over 600, which is amazing. I remember the day I got my Brown belt, you know, like decade and change ago, whenever that was, you know, long since been a black belt now, but we had the biggest promotion belt promotion I had ever seen the ceremony. There was 50 people, five zero. And that was like everybody plus other schools. So I was everybody from our school. And then some like affiliate schools that came 50 people. And I was like, Oh my God, I've never seen so many people on the map. And now this guy, six hundred. Now, now he's got six hundred. Remember, you said this last belt ceremony was like almost four hundred people. Yeah, like you don't know anybody's name. This is like <laughs> it's like you know Santa and like list. Like okay, which who are you? Yes, okay, Bobby. Yes, you're getting a stripe. It's crazy. Um, so the reason why I, you know, I'm bringing all that up. One of the things I used to do, uh, because Jay would make me do this. He made me do two things. For six months straight, he made me only play off my back. He's like, Brian, if you want to be more aggressive in passing the guard and more aggressive in the top position, play guard. I was like, fuck you, Jay. He's like, nope, you're pl- starting every every opening round, you're starting in the guard. I'm like, you son of a bitch. So it takes away my weapon, right? So I had to start in the guard, start in the guard, start in the guard. The other thing he made me do, which works beautifully, is he made me verbalize what I was going to do before I did it. And Chris Howder used to do this to me all the time. He would say, okay, Mm -hmm. now I'm going for this pass here. I'm going to cuff the hand and go this way. And then once I step over the leg, I'm going to smash your hip. And then so Jay made me used to make me do that. So I'd be like on these people and I'd be like, okay, now it's time for me to pull your leg up and over. And now, and they would try and stop it. But then it made me be more sensitive and visualize better how to do it like how to get these these positions. And the thing that I noticed about, you know, with Chris Howder doing it and then Jay reinforcing me to do it is it really helped me visualize the chessboard better. 
because I'm not just doing it. I'm not just reacting to somebody. I have to verbalize what it is I'm going to do. And they already know it's coming. Mm-hmm. So they're going to react, and then I have to make an adjustment on the fly. It's a beautiful thing. It was really, it was wonderful art when I when I used to do stuff like that um, at, at, at Jay's school. And I think it's very helpful to really help visualize the chessboard. Verbalize what you're doing. Stop huffing and puffing and running around. I, You know, there's guys out there that do this. They're so excited. They just want to, ah, they just want to attack. It looks like a cartoon with the two animals. Like, they make all the dust mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, Little cloud dust. Yeah, cloud. yeah, like Roadrunner and the coyote. Yeah, coyote. All that nonsense. <laughs> so it's just like, we don't need to do that. Start your visualization with verbalization. Allow that person to start to respond and then work your way to see what the response is. Cause number one, you're going to slow things down because of your verbalization, but number two, you're going to get a better visualization and understanding of the chessboard. Does that make sense, Ed? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because for me, it's, I, I do feel it's almost like I'm playing chess without ever having learned to play chess. Right. I mean, because right now I'm learning what the movements are. Yeah. Right. We have, I, you know, I'm coming up on one year or um, at the end of this year, it'll be one year. So I've, I've gone through all six positions by then. Correct. But for me, it's like, I'm just guessing, Oh, I mean, it's like, yes, I've learned a couple things, but it's like, Oh, so do I move this chess piece this way? And then it's like, no, these are the rules. These are how this chess pieces, these are how these chess pieces are supposed to move. Right. And so like, like you were saying, like the way you described it in another episode was right now, I'm just learning really the alphabet, right? I, I'm not even put, really putting words together yet. I'm still learning the alphabet. I'm learning, I'm learning how to write the alphabet, both capital and lowercase. And in the case of chess, it's like, yeah, I'm learning these I'm learning certain moves of how these pieces move, but I still don't know how all the pieces move. And it's interesting because as I, again, as I'm trying to prepare for this competition, it's like, do I do this? And I look over at you. <laughs> You're like, no, <laughs> do I do this? <laughs> no. Well, this is what you trained me to do on this piece. I'm trying it. It's not working for me right now. So I'm just going to grab another piece is this what you're like? No, <laughs> you know, and so it's, 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 so it's an interesting process for me to have, have to learn. And I think what I'm, the way that I've been approaching it is much more of micro strategies mm-hmm. of like, okay, yeah, I'm trying to get to the pinch headlock in the beginning. That's my goal. And then my issue has been, it's going back to old habits. I get that one done where I try to get there. And then I freeze and I'm like, what do I do next? Mm-hmm. Right. What's my next move? I don't know the chessboard well enough, at least from my opinion right now to say, here's what I'm going to do next. Because again, I'm grabbing pieces. It's like, it's like the, it's like the little kid where they have the, you know, they slowly grab a piece and they slowly look at the corner of their eye and they slowly turn their head at their instructor as if like, and the instructor knows like, you're about to ask me a question, aren't you? And it's like, is this the right one? You're like, nope. <laughs> like, oh, dang it. But do, do you understand so, that's that's why I put in so much fight choreography with what we're doing. So when I'm setting mm-hmm. up the sequence, it's not because you have to do it exactly that way, but it gives you a map. It gives you a roadmap mm-hmm. of, okay, if I'm doing this, then this is where I go. I'm hitting my pinch headlock. This is how I'm taking them down. So mm-hmm. I have my options. I can either take them laterally. I can take them, run them forward. I can run them backwards, right? So you have your mm-hmm. directions. If you have that direction, you know how they fall. Once they fall, well, where are your legs? Right? So literally, this is this is how it is. Where are your legs? Yeah. Did you did you fall like how we trained where your legs are outside of their legs? So if your legs are outside of your legs, then make sure you cover their hip before you get to their head. Right? Block their mm-hmm. hip, get to the head, set your pin, and call it a day. You know? If you got stuck in, in the legs, do you have both your legs stuck in, in between, are you in the Saturday night ride or are you in half guard? Okay, well, those are two different options. If they're in half guard, then you go right back to your pinch headlock within half guard, right? Take mm-hmm. your underhook and start 
you know, battling out, keep them flat, flatten them out, you know? Yeah. And that's what makes this whole thing so interesting is for me, there's (laughs) say hi to the other co-host Edward, (laughs) Eleanor, but, um, that's, that's what makes it so interesting is because I, I keep going after the same thing and then I freeze and not know what to do. And then, so I find myself where I'm constantly just, again, I'm, you know, pinch headlock and then I lose it, go back for it, lose it, go back for it, lose it, go back for it and broken record in a sense. But then once I do have it, the the, the funny part for me is again, I freeze because I'm like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Where's the takedown? Mm-hmm. Right. So Mike kept telling me, look at the feet, look at the feet, yeah. where are the hips, look at the feet. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, it was interesting because it's like, I feel like I'm a broken record saying that it's interesting because when I was sparring and I get into certain positions, I kept telling myself, or you kept reminding me and Mike reminded me of like pin something. Yeah. Right. And so the funny part is every, every time I try to pin something, the only thing that came to mind is shoulder of justice. (laughs) So (laughs) I would just try to put all my weight on one shoulder, um, and, and try to pin Mike or art in that position. But I keep overshooting. Yeah. I would get the pin and then for whatever reason I try to hold it and then I would give it up and, and I and I overshoot it. Like even when I when I grappled with you, I get into a certain position. I'm trying to roll out of it, or like l- literally roll out of it, mm-hmm. or or you know turn myself in a certain way. But then I overshoot. I lose my balance. I'm off. I'm off kilter. Next thing you know, the other person has the advantage. And so it it's for me. Again, it's like that kid or the the novice student unconfidently grabbing a piece again not maybe not knowing what the movement is supposed to be and looking up at the instructor or the coach saying is this it and they're saying nope and so for me as i continue to try and figure this thing out it's interesting in the sense that i'm also at the same time at times i stop thinking right i stop thinking because i'm either in a panic position i'm huffing and puffing or two that my mind's just going blank and so there are times where i'll remember wrestle out wrestle up yeah but the wrestle up part never kicks in for me. It's always, it's just like, okay, I just got to get out of this. Wrestle out, wrestle out, wrestle out. Mm. But then that starts to almost counter, counterintuitively play a role when I keep backing out during the stand-up portion. Mm. Right? Yeah. And so it's like, in what to me, yeah, backing out is easy. Backing out is, in fact, for me, again, I'm not sure if I'm trying to justify this, but... For me, when I back out in the stand-up, that's my way of trying to feel the other person out, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, but to be engaged, whether I'm going for underhooks, whether I'm going for, you know, um, whether I'm going for a pinch headlock, okay, mm-hmm. it's like backing out gives me a level of, okay, how aggressive are they going to be? Because I can counter aggressiveness. However, it put what I'm learning is it puts me at a disadvantage. Yeah, because you're thinking Taekwondo. Yeah, I have to use my backing out sparingly, Mm -hmm. if at all. But if I'm, but I have to use it very tactically. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm just using it as a way of okay. I just want to feel how aggressive this person is going to be. But then I keep doing it in the sense of like, okay, maybe they're going to screw something up at some point. Yeah, which is because I remember at one moment I. I had a collar tie on Mike and we were going, we we're going. And then I dropped down to do the sweep mm. and I failed at it. And he's like, Oh, we're pulling guard now. <laughs> <laughs> no. And it's like, no, no, no. I was trying to do the sweep. It just didn't work. But, um, that leads into my other thing about all of this is that one of my biggest struggles is what I would call the four by four concept. Mm. 
you have two you have two extremities in your top you have two extremities on the bottom right two arms and then two legs where i start to struggle is that when i'm doing upper body stuff my lower body stuff my lower body goes dead Mm. if i'm doing lower body stuff my upper body goes dead and so if someone's able to read that and feel that which somebody like mike someone like you someone like art who and then rich and pretty much everybody in the school because they've been training a lot longer if they can feel that in the way when they're sparring with me they can easily take advantage of it i can't i'm struggling to get both sides firing i'm either front wheel drive or rear wheel drive i can't seem to be a four by four yeah (laughs) so but so then that uh, to to relate that back to the chessboard concept is that again I am focusing so many on individual pieces rather than the chess board itself. Yes. And so it's, it's something that I'm learning. It's something that I have to learn. It's not easy. And so for all you beginners out there and novices out there who are starting, Hey, I'm right there with you. And this is why we play with the Magnus Carlson's of grappling like coach Brian (laughs) (laughs) is because they know the chessboard, And it, I think it's interesting because you are coaching me at my level and then maybe a level above that in order to help me improve. And it's the same thing when I grapple with Mike rich art, everybody else uh, at PCI and and Tati, because they are of higher level than me. They have more experience than me. Mm. And then Tati and I are like, what? Easily a hundred pound difference. Yeah. <laughs> so it's more than that. Yeah. Cause you're almost a hundred pound difference more with me, more than me. Yeah. I'm like 270 right now. Yeah. So. so you got 90 pounds on me. So if you got 90 pounds on me at another 50, you got 140 pounds on her. So literally half yeah. my weight. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but you're right. It's interesting because to work through, Tati, nothing against you. Work through people who are smaller. The sensitivity does kick in. Yeah. And so I'm now I'm now in hindsight, I'm thinking through the practices that we've had. And I remember again with the sweep, I remember being able to not fall, but drop into the position, place my my foot in behind the knee and was able and do do the sweep do the takedown in that sense but and i couldn't figure out why that won't translate for me to anybody bigger than me like mike or uh, bigger than tati like mike Mm -hmm. or art Mm -hmm. and again i don't know whether it's tiredness whether i'm coming out of the gates too hot whatever it is but it's it's a different game the scent, I was not sensitive enough to realize. I just I went for it because I thought I might have something. I, that's the other thing. I, I I make certain movements because I think I might have it. Yeah. Much rather than knowing that I do or controlling the situation to make it what I want it to be. Exactly. Yeah. So I'll parlay this what you just said into a set of attacks you kept doing over and over and over again, where I told you, you're not going to get it. You kept trying to do these back attacks on me, you know, and you're trying to choke me. I'm like, you're never going to choke me. So why? Well, because this is a standard jujitsu issue. People are always trying to attack and there's no pin. This is why pins are so freaking important. And a pin doesn't mean from just the top position. If you have the back, if I have your back, I'm pinning you. Well, what am I pinning? I'm pinning your hips. And then I'm also pinning and hooking your shoulders. I'm back, we're, we backpack. We don't do the um, seatbelt like you see in BJJ. We don't seatbelt at PCI because um, I don't find that very effective. I think backpacking the shoulders is far more effective. Because we use half Nelsons. We use a lot of Nelsons. We do half Nelsons, quarter Nelsons, full Nelsons, three-quarter Nelsons. We use all the Nelsons. So if I backpack you with my feet on your hips, we don't. I don't play. I don't allow anybody to play long hooks either. I think that's futile, and especially 
I was trained by Billy Robinson, so I know exactly how your leg will be broken if you play a long hook. So as a result of that, I can always, if I get your back, I will go from one of two things, back to top mount, back to the back to top mount. I will do that for as long as I want, and at no point are you going to get up. I don't care who it is because I use Nelson's, and it's not something used in BJJ. And something I teach. And it's incredibly important. But it's based on a series of pins. It's pins and hooks. Okay? And not the hooks that you think. So what was happening was, is Ed kept trying to attack me like a BJJ person. He's just, the minute he thinks he has the back and he's got his long hook in and he just starts going after my neck. And every single time I'm rolling out and I'm right back on top, like, like clockwork within seconds. So like it's, 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 it's one of those things where it's learning the learning to slow down. And this is why, you know, eventually over time, I want you to start verbalizing your, your, your sequences when you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's going to take time because it's going to slow you down, but it's going to help you visualize the chessboard. And you have to be deliberate with your pins. Okay? Because think of the pin as... It's literally a pin. You're pinning it. And it's not just like somebody thinks a pin, wrap a leg, one, two, three. A pin is... like Think of like a pin going into a pin cushion or a pin in the wall. When you pin something, you're holding it. You're holding something in place. So... Consider your pin as your placeholder. Why would you let that go when you don't have another placeholder? Why do you want to just flail around? And this is what I see like with sport BJJ. Everybody's just flailing around. Because 90% of what I see, number one, is not going to work if somebody's disagreeing to the position. If they have their own if they have their own opinion, they're not going to do it. You know? And that's that's a huge thing right there that people are not considering. And if there's punches involved and kicks, it's definitely not working. There's a reason why, mm-hmm. guys, I know I've brought this up before, where Buchecha literally said he had to throw out 85%, 85% of his jiu-jitsu, he had to throw it out for, for MMA. So what does that tell me? So if, if one of the historically best... One of the greatest sport jiu-jitsu competitors of all time has gone on record to say 85% of his jiu-jitsu is useless for fighting. Why in God's name is it all these other people doing it? Why? Bujetsha said it doesn't work. Why are you doing it? Oh, because I need to express myself. Fuck you. Go take a painting class if you want to go express yourself. This is fighting. Yes, there's a certain amount of expression in fighting, but that expression should be from dominance, not from just let me see how if I can stretch my legs behind my head. You know, it's like what? Well, maybe 5% of people can do that? Probably not. Probably 1%. How many people are BJ Penn that you can sit with your head behind your legs? Not many. <laughs> and a lot of these people that do that kind of nonsense, guess what? They've all had back surgeries now. I'm not going to name names, but you can look it up. Most of those people have had back and neck surgeries and are so screwed up from doing this kind of contortionism, jujitsu contortionism. They're like, they can't do it anymore. They just, they can't. And they've all had surgeries and their body is wrecked from doing that nonsense. So why am I going on this rant? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's late at night, this is a, this is a late recording. Yeah, no, but no, look at the end of the day, it all, this is all connected. You have to visualize that you know, the chessboard, nor how the pieces play. One of the things that I cannot stand, right? Another thing when we're in the closed guard bottom is people just automatically put their feet to the floor. You know what happens when you put your feet to the floor and you're going against somebody that's a catch wrestler, you get your leg locked quickly don't give your feet carl Gott said if they if they're going to give me their feet i'm going to break them that was carl gotch 
You think I'm going to go against what Carl Gotch says? Hell no. Why? Because Carl Gotch, his mindset and his mechanical understanding was far superior to any of these sport jiu-jitsu people today. Sorry. And I can guarantee you, if Carl Gotch had ever sat down with Hicks and Gracie, and I will put this to anybody, Hickson would have gotten schooled and he would have been taking notes saying, yes, sir, thank you for explaining to me how this worked. Because half of Hicks and Gracie's stuff, and I've trained with Henry Akins and I've been on the mat with these people, is catch wrestling. Straight up catch wrestling. He doesn't call it that. He wants to pretend he invented it. He didn't invent anything. His father didn't invent anything. It was all stolen from catch. Sorry, hate to burst the bubble, but the way that Hickson sets up his scissor sweeps from a close guard, the way he manipulates the hands and the head and arm is 100% catch wrestling. Why? I felt it. And why? I have a catch wrestling background. And I, I know too well the history. So sorry, you ain't, nobody's going to fool me. Had Carl Gotch ever sat down with Hicks and Gracie, Hicks and Gracie would have been taking notes. There's a reason why Billy Robinson laughed at the Gracies. Laughed. Because half the time they weren't even doing the techniques correct. Doesn't matter who, which Gracie it was. Sakuraba <laughs> beat them all. And had they not been ducking him, he would have continued to beat more of them. Okay? Sorry. These are just the cold hard facts, people. Know your chessboard. Part of knowing the chessboard is understanding mechanics. And I guarantee you, most of the people out there today do not understand the mechanics, the physiological mechanics of how the body works. Okay, how does a wrist lock work? Why does it work? How would you initiate it? How does a takedown work? What kind of takedown? How does the knee function? Why do you, I was talking to a guy the other, the other day, was asking me questions on, on uh, Facebook or Instagram, one of these things, about his proper hand placement in a single leg takedown. He's just like, hey, can you explain to me this or how does this work? How does it function? And I had to explain to him. This, I didn't have to show it to him. I just wrote it out to him. Here's what you're missing and why. And he's just like, oh, my God, that's so enlightening. How come nobody ever taught me this? Because they don't know it. You have to really have an under, deep understanding of mechanics and, and literally put away the attributes in order to truly understand the chessboard. Does that make sense, Ed? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm taking notes. Because <laughs> if, if you just straight attribute-based, you're not going to be able to function because you're just doing stuff that you're doing tricks that you think, oh, I can just do this, I can do this, I can do this. No, you can't. Because the minute you have somebody like that Magnus Carlsen, that somebody that knows the chessboard, you're fucked. You can't do like that opening move anymore. You can't do like those trick moves. Trick move works like in a skateboard park. You want to flip the skateboard around or whatever. There's a cool trick move. Harlem Globetrotters, right? I like that, right? These amazing basketball guys that they do all these trick moves. But can everybody do that? No. Does it help you understand the game? Absolutely not. What helps you understand the game is understanding how the pieces move. Why do they move the way they move? Where can they move? And what is the function of each piece interrelated to each other on the board? You should have that mm -hmm. dialed into the mind where you should be able to talk to your coach or talk to your one of your, your peers without ever stepping foot on the mat and walk through a match line by line where they go you know what happened in that position here's what you didn't have your hand sequence properly you should have done this you should have rotated his hip over you should have gotten him flat they, most people won't be able to do that well, i don't know what happened i just went out there i just tried to kill her what, what did i do wrong where do you want to be where do you want to start because guess what if you give me a five minute match that's an hour-long conversation mm -hmm. right that's not a five-minute conversation. That's a, a minimum of an hour-long conversation. That's why people yeah. pay me to do that. 
Well, what did I do wrong here? People pay me a lot of money to review their matches. Why? Because they want to know what they could have done differently. And I don't care. They don't have to give me credit for it. They pay me the money. Hey, I get paid either way. You don't want to give me credit and just go represent your team? Go ahead. Go represent your team. But, you know, I still have the Venmo. (laughs) (laughs) I have the Venmo evidence. Hey, you know that black belt guy that represented XYZ camp? Guess who he called to fix his his matches? Me. Oops. No, I'll keep that secret. It's okay. Don't worry. And keep that a secret. But we have to visualize uh, the chessboard, Ed. Yeah. And I think that gives me a lot of perspective as to how I should be approaching my training in the sense of while well, I'm trying to learn, again, how the movements work, conceptually why they work. And like you said, all these attribute things, right? You look on Instagram, you look at all the – It's if I think if you're the grappler who just follows 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, A, B, C, D, E, F, G versus understanding that that's a sequence of numbers and that's a sequence of letters and how all that works together. If you don't understand that, then all you're doing is just following directions and you'll sit there probably frustrated. Why is it, why is this not working? Why is this not working? And so for as much as I fail at specific movements, I, I try to figure out, well, conceptually, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Right. Where am I, where am I missing this? And because I'm missing this step, which means I don't have either the leverage, I don't have the pin, I don't have something, Mm -hmm. which causes the equation to fail, which causes the, in chess it's called a blunder when you make a a major mistake. Mm -hmm. And so that's what it is. I moved the chess piece. It may have been the right piece, but you moved into the wrong spot. Yeah. Right. And so again, yes, there's a certain sequence or a pattern conceptually and both in attribute and movement to a specific movement but if you do not conceptually understand why each step is actually there Mm -hmm. and what the meaning of each step is Mm -hmm. and you miss one that equation can fail and most likely will be and that's that's my case so for example when i dropped to try to sweep mike Mm -hmm. i missed something i wasn't ready it was not prepared properly i was not in the right position well, I could tell, Again, I could I, tell I, you right yeah. now a couple of things that you did wrong. I just saw it out of the corner of my eye, but here's what I saw. Number one, your collar tie was off. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have your wet willy. You weren't set up with your collar tie properly. You didn't circle sweep out. And then by the time you dropped down, you didn't drop onto your, onto your hip. You actually dropped flat onto your butt, and you had both legs in the air. So I basically pulled guard. Yeah, you basically, that's why he said, yo, you pulled Theoretically, guard. Theoretically, yeah. Because I conceptually missed... Again, like you're saying, the proper collar tie. Yeah. Right? Equation part number one. Yeah. I didn't circle out. Mm-hmm. Equation part number two. I didn't even fall correctly. Yeah. And so it's sequential. And in fact, I can even compare that to racing. So when I race carts or cars, you have to set up for, if you're not set up to enter a corner properly mm-hmm. and you don't set up your exit properly, mm-hmm. you're by missing the exit, you actually are now off-centered and not prepared for the next corner which means you start to lose time. So it's wow. the same thing sequentially speaking. It's like I I missed the entrance, the proper entrance into this corner. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't even I didn't even hit the apex of the corner that I needed to hit whether it's early, mid or late, and I didn't even exit correctly. Thus I no longer set up for anything else beyond that. My next corner's already missed. Yeah, I just have to start the lap all over again. And that's in racing terms, but Again, for for those of you guys who don't know, I have one too many hobbies. So, <laughs> but anyway, it, it definitely gives perspective into how I need to start approaching. Again, yeah, I need to learn my chessboard. I need to learn my specific chessboard as much as I'm learning the catch chessboard, the PCI chessboard, mm-hmm. your chessboard, and how you teach and coach it, and the movements around it, the concepts around it, and how each put. As much as I'm learning how each piece moves, again, the relationship between how all of them work together in this board that we call the chessboard or in this game yeah. that we call grappling. And you know what's you know what's funny about all that? Most mm-hmm. of this should be done verbally. It has nothing to do with collecting moves. And this is again what people are missing. They go, "Oh, if I if I need to learn human chess, I need to collect as many moves." No, stop collecting moves. Sit down and verbalize. Have a discussion with your coach. Have a discussion with your your partners, your peers. 
have a discussion with somebody and it should be an endless loop. This is like, this is literally the infinity loop. The reason why submission grappling is so fun is there's the code can never be cracked. Like we talked about before the answer to life universe and everything is what? 42, 42. And as a result of that, it's an infinite, it's an infinity loop. It's an infinity loop. So why am I saying that? Because everybody's structure is different. Everybody's reaction is different. Everybody's gravity is different. It's all different. There's no way anything could ever be perfect with submission grappling. It's impossible. There's always refinement. There's always adjustment. There's always micro adjustments. So there's a huge portion of your training that should be verbal. It should be discussion. It should be that auditory, that mind and auditory connection, right? You have to really kind of exploit the visualization, exploit the ears, listen, not just hear what your coach is saying, if they understand this at all, not just hear, but listen. What do I mean by hearing? You can just hear anything, right? It's those sounds. You're not processing. Listening is processing. And once we listen to process, then you should be visualizing, right? And as we're visualizing, then this is how we develop a deep understanding of how we are building the chessboard, how we are, are, are seeing the pieces, the interrelationship between the pieces on the chessboard, how they function, and how they get interpreted based on the rules of the game. Awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> got pretty deep there <laughs> kind of deep so listen guys if you guys have questions you can always hit us up on instagram level up grappling you can also hit us up at the pci jiu-jitsu instagram also just look pci jiu-jitsu at gmail.com so a lot of people that hit us hit me up that way if you want to talk about it pci jiu-jitsu at gmail.com you can ask us any questions you know you don't like Ed's hair, haircut or something, tell us. <laughs> but look, when you go onto Spotify, give us the hit us with the likes, the five stars. Give us the five stars. We're out here busting our butts for you. If you got questions, before you give us a low rating, come on down to the gym. <laughs> come on down and meet with us. If you don't believe what we're talking about, come on down and see it for yourself. Try it for yourself. I welcome it, you know. It's just we have an open door policy. We're not political. We're the dissidents, so to speak. So I don't care who it is. If you want to wear your favorite rash guard or gi or whatever, go right ahead. Mm -hmm. You don't have to wear something of ours in order to, like, hang with us. You know, we're cool. All I ask is that you have a clear and sober mind when you come. That's very important to me. I don't care what you do in the privacy of your own home, but I do uh, request that anybody that comes to visit us, you have a clear and sober mind because there's a lot of important information that can only be processed through clarity of mind. And that's important. And also, hey, guys, look, we are brand ambassadors for Sanibel Sports, so head on over to sanibelsports.com forward slash PCI Jiu-Jitsu. I actually got to talk to them because we're supposed to be doing some other collabs with them. So I got to set that up and figure out what they want us to do. But put in PCI Jiu-Jitsu for your discount code at SanibalSports.com. You'll get 10% off every time you purchase with them. Plus, it helps the Level Up Grappling podcast and it helps the school so that we can keep providing content for you guys. And uh, anything else, Ed? No, that's it. Huge shout out to, again, to everybody. If you made it this far into the show, you're a true fan. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your support. And again, um, yeah, engage with us. I know that I, 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 I take blame. I haven't been posting on Instagram very much. Just been super busy with other stuff right now, but I will try to get back on that. But yeah, um, we're always super appreciative of everybody's support. Just the fact that you guys listen makes a big deal to us. It means a, it means a lot to us. It, it keeps us going to want to make more episodes. Even this one, it's, it's a late night one. We had to squeeze one in this yeah. week. <laughs> so, but um, no, thank you guys all. And we'll catch you on the next one. Awesome. Thanks so much, everyone. All right. Bye. Bye.